You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads from the eye of the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast, and it's that time of the week again where Ty Gonzalez and, well, Ty, sorry, Ty Dane Gonzalez and me, yeah, You better Matty, get it right. Yeah, I will get it right. And Matty Maddie, F. Brown. Matty, Matty Brown, Matthew Brown. Matthew Football Brown. Uh, Matthew. Recap the Seahawks news from the week so far. We have had Pete Carroll's press conference with two of them, in fact, and a radio appearance on Pete, getting busy in the media. And we've also had Clint Hurt. We don't have uh, yet Shane Waldron stuff, so apologies that we, we won't be covering that. But we've got a lot to dive into. Particularly, Pete Carroll sounds like he's a bit of a let Gino Cook fan. Mm. So am I. So am <laughs> I. Yeah, so we've had some comments from Pete that make it sound like they he he well some people have taken it as oh they, he wants to pass the ball more they want to be a pass first team that's what i'm hearing mm. to me though maddie i think it's more about the way in which they approach the pass game with gino and taking more shots taking more explosives because i mean he explicitly said that i i forget if it was in his radio hit or in one of the pressers but explicitly explicitly said you know we wanted we want to use or we want to get into more explosives uh we want to get into our game because we can do that uh and we just want to do it more you know we want to take more shots basically that's that's what i took from what pete said this week about gino and the whole let gino cook thing because also from a volume standpoint gino threw 30 times on sunday how many times did he throw on uh against the Broncos wasn't it somewhere well in the they only ran the ball 20s? 11 times so yeah they, they definitely they, they threw a lot that and that's a great point like and that's what I was thinking too like they're already past heavy like yeah <laughs> now some of that's been circumstance but also like the the Broncos game was fairly close throughout there wasn't a uh, there you know there wasn't a blowout uh, nature like we got in San Francisco and yet they were still passing the ball at a high rate um and this, you know, we'll get into it with, on the tape section with with Griffin. Um, obviously, he's a big Gino advocate, but to me, this kind of reflects how you know Gino Smith is as a passer. And Griffin spoke about you know how expanding the drop back game with him is you know beneficial because that's what Gino's good at, right? Like accuracy, uh, picking apart teams from the pocket. And to yeah, to me, the Carroll thing was. It's more about opening up the passing game that they're doing already. He praised Gino for being poised and having command. He said um, about how lacking explosives. And actually, Carol's comments like repeatedly are really high on Gino. It's like the most most mm -hmm. uh, uh, praise I've heard him have for a quarterback. Um, and what was really telling was he, he said um, he didn't want to wait, you know, three to four more weeks to figure out what Gino's looking like. He, he thinks Gino is the real deal right now. Mm -hmm. Let's go. Let's open up the passing game. And my biggest feeling from all of this is relief because I'm like, you know what? I really thought that, you know, there's something wrong here. Like, why aren't they throwing downfield? Like, how is it that the 49ers are stopping the running game, but also doubling DK Metcalf? Like, how can those two things exist? Um, you know, if they are stopping the running game and leaving a one-on-one -on -one to DK Metcalf, then can we throw the one-on-one -on -one downfield? Like, 
Mm. Can we actually use DK Metcalf in the best way possible for his game, which is a, a downfield route runner? Okay, we know Russell Wilson's a superb uh, downfield thrower. We we know uh, Gino's strengths are more in the kind of intermediate range and uh, being accurate and and poised in the pocket, which is term DK Metcalf used as well. But also, can we actually try a shot or two? Uh, and then you kind of hear Pete's comments, and if you piece stuff together, and it'll be interesting to hear from Waldron, kind of does sound like they were maybe have been holding back a bit on that. Didn't want Gino to to kill the team with, with unnecessary turnovers. But now, big trust. And I think Pete realizes, you know what? Gino's doing everything right. And we also had, we got shut out uh, for, for six consecutive quarters. We probably need to push the ball downfield to stop teams camping on that kind of intermediate to short window and to stop teams from uh, fitting the runners aggressively. You know, we, we mm-hmm. stop them creeping up by throwing over the top of them. Yeah, stretch the field. And like you said, you know, you got to get DK more involved here because it's been pretty quiet for him. But, you know, you, you saw like you can throw it up to him. He's going to go get it. We saw that on the on the uh, flea flicker that ended up, you know, getting uh, called back on the, the Lucas ineligible man downfield. So. You know, and you know, DK obviously was playing coy today during his his presser, but you know, you expect that. But overall, I I think we're going to see uh, an emphasis an emphasis on DK, and it's going to be a good matchup, I I think too, because isn't Terrell going to be on him uh, on Sunday? Yeah, I I think so, and he's a you know really promising cornerback. I, I'm mm. not sure how he started this season, but I know last year he finishes like definitely All pro. Top ten. But oh, pro. there we go, there we yeah. go. Yeah, I was going to say top five corner, so that um that matches and uh yeah interesting that dk metcalf was um he he uh he he was very positive about that he he said it was a sigh of relief to hear pete carroll say that like we can go and let gino go out and play um and then i think it I was hard to hear but i think a follow-up from a reporter was that's something you like to hear as a pass catcher right mm-hmm. and dk said yeah laughing and then said we'll see so Perhaps, you know, he he's thinking that it may not last, this stuff. But, you know, there's no reason it won't. Like, <laughs> as I said, they've been pass heavy with Gino. Mm. Um, it's just the type of passes and the type of concepts available to them. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's the perfect moment to do it against the Falcons. And, and it, it really is what, what was needed. But I, I am still just taken aback about how positive... You know, Pete Carroll was about Geno Smith. Like there was, uh, it's almost to me as though reading between the lines, Carroll is more of the Geno kind of believer, whereas Waldron has taken a bit longer. And also, you do have a head coach who's saying like it's all about the ball, don't turn the ball over. Waldron's probably, I mean, for one, he's the guy calling the plays and designing the plays, and and it's his offense. But he's probably the one who's a bit more like, oh can we really do this with Geno Smith? And then I think Pete's mm-hmm. sort of in his kind of uh, not GM, but, you know, managerial overseeing everything, delegating head coaching position. Pete's like, yeah, we, we can do it. Like saying, I think he looks really, really good uh, saying everything he's done in, uh, he's convinced from what he's shown in practice and what he's seen. And he's carried that into games. The game's not too big. He's really comfortable. He's he's very poised. He's accurate as heck. There's no reason to be worried about him. And then, uh, and then saying, uh, you know, bringing up his stat about uh, completing eighty percent of passes in consecutive games, and that no one's ever seen that happen before. Like now, some of that is the the short passing elements. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like throwing short. But then, like, if that goes down to sixty ish percent, and you're still not turning the ball over, and you're actually throwing downfield. And not being shut out as an offense, probably good idea. Yeah. Yeah. So we'd like to see more aggressiveness this week. Um, and we'll get into that more on tomorrow's episode when we when we preview the the whole matchup. But um, yeah, you you just you gotta get DK Metcalf involved when you have a talent like that, just because you don't have as good of a deep ball thrower. I mean, you know, Russell Wilson's arguably the best deep ball thrower in the world in the world right now. So like, you know, when you go when you downgrade from that, obviously, like there's a little bit of a hesitancy there. But and obviously, you know, with what you're saying about Waldron, you know, also he might be, you know, I mean, it's his ass, right? Like if if things go awry, it's kind of, you know, all fingers point to, to Waldron, whether it's fair or not, right? You know, that's just the nature of coordinators of play callers. So 
Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think we'll see things open up at least a little bit more in this game. Um, but I think also, you know, with, with Ken Walker back now another week healthier, uh, Penny's still healthy. I think we're going to see a, a good dose of the run still. Um, and just to kind of circle back to the whole comment, like, yeah, I don't think this is a volume thing. You know, once again, I, I just I, I think this is more just the the style in which they want to play football and the way that they want to approach the pass game. And there's still going to be a, a lot of run mixed in there. Um, and there needs to be right because, you know, that's just. That's how to be a healthy, balanced offense, right? You got to mix in the run there because it's going to open up more things for you in the pass game as well, especially for how this offense operates. Yeah. Should also say that the other consideration is, you know, when it comes to passing more and especially in pure dropback situations where there's no threat of the run to kind of help out against pass rushes, the two uh, off rookie offensive tackles, Abraham Lucas and and uh, Charles Cross, they were a big consideration. And Carol said that... Um, that them playing better has been, you know, encouraging. They didn't want to expose them, but now they've sort of shown that they're not fully exposed. Yeah, they're making the odd rookie mistake, but they're they're handling the stuff. Uh, they've played against some frightening uh, edge rushes already. Now the NFL is full of them, but uh, I think you know the the Broncos and the 49ers have real good pairings. Well, especially clear ones, and so. Now that there's a bit more confidence in them, there's a chance to do more. But also with Gino operating in the pocket in a way where he, you know, he's stepping up, he's not dropping really deep, and he's not going to have that kind of running around scrambling ability, which may be uh, difficult for tackles. He's going to behave in in typical pocket behavior. Then I think you know, let's open it up. Let's let's see the pass. So really exciting times. Uh, kind of. <clears throat> Still a bit nervous, as much as I uh, believe in Gino, it is still like, ooh. But then also, I like not um, being shut out in for six quarters. I like the idea of DK Metcalf actually being more than just a throw it up to him, possession receiver of uh, like 10 to 15 yards on a comeback. My fantasy team would also like that, by the way. Ah, there we go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it all comes back to fantasy football. Obviously, obviously stats, yardage touchdowns receptions of course that's all that matters when we're talking about football um but yeah uh i i agree with everything that you said it's just um you know it, it is like a, a little scary but you know what why not <laughs> you know why not open things up why not you know see what Gino looks like in a more uh you know stretched out offense like let's see it let's experiment a little bit here you really don't have anything to lose in doing so right now, especially this early on in the season. You got the Falcons. One like aren't the Falcons like a top or a bottom three defense right now? Like so, they are. Yeah. Although Carol described them as very active and multiple mm. defense. So in Pete Carroll talk, that means ass. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to make things happen. I, I yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. All right. So, what else do we got? Uh, we uh, we got anything more on the offense or? Well, uh, aside from some, well, one comment Carol made today. Oh, so it's Wednesday when we're recording, and also live on YouTube. So make sure you check that out if you get the chance. And on my Twitter, um, D. Eskridge Carol said is he's still viewing as like a rookie, which um, <laughs> he. On reflection, probably wouldn't have said that in a press conference. He was being nice and uh, open, Carol, today. Mm. It's also true, and you can kind of see that in the fact that, what, he played three snaps. Goodwin, again, is getting over 50% of the snaps. He's the clear wide receiver of three in the offense. He's that guy, and Eskridge is kind of down the pecking order. Um, can they let him get vertical at least a little bit? <laughs> just that's all I'm asking. Well, just maybe with bit. the expansion in the passing game that we've been promised, yeah. maybe we do see a bit of that. But then again, like Goodwin's a burner, and he seems mm. like he'd get those reps. So Eskridge in his second season uh, again is going through it, and he's now what 26, 25? He's an old. I know he's yeah. an old. He might yeah. be pushing 26 now. So tough, tough for him. Um, won't be the season that he was expecting, but it started off poorly, you know, getting hurt again, uh, soft tissue injury. So that's, that's a bit frustrating. And Carol, I think, wasn't expecting that. I think he really wanted better conditioning out of him. And now, yeah, it's a up uphill kind of climb in season for a player to suddenly get more snaps. 
the only thing that's happened there is another player gets hurt, really. So... Yeah. Uh, Eskridge is uh, 25. Uh, birthday is in March, though, so he'll be 26 right after the season. Um, I'm 26. Does that mean I'm an old? You're an oh, old. Oh, no. Confirmed old. As a 25-year-old, you are a big-time old. Oh, I'm a dinosaur. Damn. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, uh, let's uh, let's get into this defense. I, I particularly had some or found some interesting things in what Clint Hurt had to say. But mm. um, let's let's uh, check in with what Pete had to say first, though. What do you, what do you got for me on that? Well, just that he was, um, you know, obviously saying about how they didn't tackle very well and they didn't play very well. It was interesting on the the, the Monday he he was talking about um, the run fits, which which mm. I found good, and he talked about how um, when they're in two high safety looks, they they kind of have to do a, a bit more stuff like spilling the front um, and and stuff like that. Which I did a, a on my Substack Seahawks on Tape by Matty F Brown. I, I did an article. Subscribe. Uh, one of those subscribe mechanics. now. Yes, yeah, subscribe. Please, um, and thank you to those who already. And do. also subscribe to the YouTube channel if you're if you're watching right now and you haven't already. Yeah, leave a comment, leave a like if you yeah. if you really want to. Uh, that'd yeah. be lovely. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. So he, he said about basically you have to do a bit extra when you're in too high because you have one less guy in the box. You think about too high, so that would be you cover twos, your your cover fours or quarters, your quarter quarter half, so cover six, and your half quarter quarter, so cover eight. You have one extra guy back deep, so you have one less guy down in the box fitting the run. And so sometimes because you're outnumbered against the run, you have to, you know, steal a gap by putting a defensive end out wide and then spiking him from that gap into another gap to then force the football further out to the perimeter, buying time for the guys who are deep to then come up and play the run. And um, yeah, Carol mentioned that, and he he said basically how the guys up front need to work to keep guys off the linebackers so they can flow and make plays. But that's not really happening quite yet. Like the chemistry is a bit broken. Um, the complementary play, he described it, of like keeping guys clean um, and then the linebackers flowing to the football and finding the football and there's pursuit angles and tracking. Something Josh Jones mentioned, the safety Josh Jones, he spoke today, or Wednesday that is. Uh, he mm. also mentioned their tracking needs work. That just requires a bit better football. And I don't know how, you know, I don't know how that comes with time. Uh, I don't know how that comes in quick time. And the Falcons pound the heck out of the football, mm -hmm. along with using Mariota in their run game and their boot game. So it'll be interesting to see against Atlanta if if Seattle can bounce back. It's a great test for them. Uh, they've struggled in back-to-back -back weeks and... Yeah, I, I'm not too positive from what I've seen. But again, tape tape episode tomorrow, that is a kind of a bigger thing for that where we'll kind of de delve into who exactly is struggling, what exactly is going wrong. But the coaching staff, the players, they're well aware of the issue, as mm -hmm. they've said in the press conferences. On on the tackling front, you know, obviously that can be an issue for younger guys. But why does that end up being an issue maybe for some veterans like we're seeing? Because we're seeing some guys that have been around also deal with tackling issues. Why does it seem like it's kind of a contagious thing? I think it's just, well, the, like ta missed tackles can happen for so many different reasons, right? Mm. But I think it's, most of it is trying too hard to make a play. And so if you like really like trying to get into the backfield and and or you're really trying to make take your shots for a tackle for loss, well then your pursuit angle is more aggressive, so then you have less room for error. Um, Clint Hurt, Hurt mentioned uh, players leaving their feet too much, and again that's kind of if you're leaving your feet to make a tackle, that's because you're further away from the ball carrier a lot of the time, and so you're having to dive rather than being able to reach him standing up. You're having to 
fully extend yourself to bring him down or make contact. So I think it is like a bit of over-aggression leading to over-pursuits, leading to, you know, leaving your feet for tackles, slipping off stuff. Uh, and then obviously, you know, San Francisco in particular, Debo Samuel is a special, special player. And you come back to the fact that aside from his, you know, big 51-yard run where they had him in the backfield, but he's just unbelievably special, then, you know, the, the yards per carry is 3.3, which uh, within that, like if you watch the tape, and again, tape, last time I said tape podcast tomorrow, but if you watch the tape, you know, the run defense still is boom or bust. Like it's either a tackle for loss or there's like a, a chunk gain. But it's still the the overall three point three yards per carry is much more positive. Interestingly, as well in his in his uh, Brock and Sulk interview, Carroll mentioned some schematic things they can do better to get guys more guys around the ball. He didn't get uh, uh, followed up on that uh, in that interview or even in his his two press press conferences since. I imagine he's talking about blitzing a bit more, putting more guys mm. uh, and playing. Because they played a lot of middle field close, so not the two high stuff, but a lot of one high where they have the extra guy in the box to play the run. Mm. But I think also blitzing off that, so getting more guys thinking run focused and, and attacking down at the line of scrimmage. I think that's something Seattle did well, and I think it worked. They just didn't do it probably as much. The flip side of that is you do that, and then you bust the uh, play for a touchdown on that uh, Rostowelli uh, catch where Jordan Brooks and Cody Barton. Uh, they had a well. Brooks messed up, but Barton could have perhaps communicated to Brooks. Yeah. So let's dive into what Clint Hurts said um, today, because I, I think there was a lot of interesting stuff there. Let's let's kind of just go over the smaller items uh, first, uh, and this kind of goes off of what Pete was also talking about a little bit. Uh, Daryl Johnson. Um, who seemed to have a, a pretty decent day in, in San Francisco. Seems like he's going to get more snaps. Um, obviously, you know, tape pod tomorrow. But I want to no, ask you. No, we can't say that anymore. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well, that's you. You've said it a lot. I got, I, I, I yeah, get you one. Felt left I get, out. I get, I get, I get one. I get one. All right. But I want to ask you about Daryl Johnson. Um, the decision to give him more snaps. What, what did you see from him against San Francisco? Interesting, right? Because Here's this dude who you know comes in that you're, you're like uh, he knows he knows Clint Hurt. He uh, may or may not have uh, Instagrammed out the what, the first page of the playbook, which uh, I I saw it, Daryl. Thank you very much. That's in the that's in the save screenshots. We now know tight will six, which I we already knew. But anyway, um, anyway, he has the, he has the measurables. He's long. He's big, and to me, like Carol talked about how. Like in terms of Dow Taylor, who we'll get to, interesting stuff with him. But in terms of the Dow Taylors, the Boye Mafes, the Ushena Nuosus, that edge grouping, they have to figure out like who works in running downs, who works in passing downs. Like, how much do you want uh, an outside linebacker setting the edge against the run? They're they're playing a lot of bare, uh, a lot of sorry, even nickel front, so four two five, and it looks like just four guys down the line of scrimmage where it's kind of more like a four three D end, especially if you want to the B gap bubble side where you're more like playing like a five to and you need to be big and strong. And so on running downs, that's kind of exhausting, right? And so Daryl Johnson comes in and he takes the load off those pass rushes. I think he played like, I mean, I can get it up in a second. Like, I think he played about 27% of the snaps, but he was splashy on those snaps. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's the kind of uh, hardworking dude, along with his special teams impact, that you need to take the load off guys, just rely on him to be able to set an edge and and be that kind of guy to to help out like your your, your tailors and your your more premium pass rushes. Like you won't see uh Johnson showing up. He played 24% of the snaps. You won't mm-hmm. see Johnson showing up on um you know on passing downs necessarily. Like something will have gone wrong if he is. But to have that kind of like hardworking run defender who can be relied on just to set an edge uh, is is mass is really really important because and I mean and they Mafes, need that right now. Yeah, they really they really do. You're right, and, yeah. and Mafe's inexperienced. Um, and and uh, let me just how have I just lost my snap counts? Ah, here we go. Yeah, Johnson also played 96 percent of special teams, which for a dude mm. who you know he. 
he's big. Like he's a he's like uh, I mean they call him an outside linebacker because they're running a three four. But like mm. at his pro day, he was two hundred fifty three pounds, six foot six, with um thirty three and seven eighth of an inch long arms. Like for him to get downfield on kickoff and punt coverage, which Carol mentions being impressive. Well, it is impressive. So yeah, great great little pickup. What? How did they get him? Uh, uh he was a waiver claim from Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that he's like that extra outside linebacker they needed because they ha- you had like the, uh, uh, the other outside linebacker options like your Donkers, your mm-hmm. your Josh. I don't want to. Only Giogo. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, that's bad of me. Um, you had those guys, and it seems like Johnson sort of uh, usurped them, and mm-hmm. I think he probably does offer more as an edge set against the run. Those other two names are more kind of pass rush uh, specialist what does seattle need right now like what are the strengths and weaknesses of their other edge group uh, edge rushes well they need edge setting against the run and, and Josh yeah. is doing that all right so you uh you handed it uh about it a little bit um daryl taylor clint Hurd's mm. answer today was very interesting about oh. daryl taylor Oof. yeah so he gets asked about uh i think the question i i'm sorry i forget who asked it uh apologies to whoever that was um but the i, I believe the question was something along the lines of you know how did daryl taylor perform on sunday or what did you think about his performance on sunday and uh you could just tell by the body language <laughs> that uh clint hurt was uh not too pleased with how daryl taylor performed um because he took a he took a pause there before he answered yeah he, uh, and he was thinking through his words right he was yeah. like do i i can't no i can't throw my yeah. guy under the bus but also yeah he's but he, he yeah he almost i mean he basically did he was like you know i i you know i'm not gonna uh you know i already handled the accountability stuff in private with him <laughs> but you know you know, he, he needs to play more uh, here. He needs to produce more consistently or something along those lines. Like, ooh boy. Yeah, like you said, he's he's in the doghouse right now. Like, Daryl Taylor is in, uh, he, he's not in Clinton Hurt's good graces at the moment. And I mean, for good reason, right? <laughs> yeah, for good reason. Like, he, he's um been very on and off against uh like run setting the edge and that's that's how uh hurt described it like he's been inconsistent and uh yeah this it i'm sure it will come good like carol said how taylor's still learning right he said he's still learning their stuff um and to be fair like okay he says that he played outside linebacker in tennessee and it's the same but really it's not because they're playing like nickel fronts and they're playing four down. They're not playing like bare fronts that often. And when they do play bare fronts, there's a bit more like spilling than he'd have done at Tennessee where I think they just pure edge sessed it back there. Also, you know, that was a few years ago and <laughs> this is the pros. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it will come good. And and Carol also mentioned how they're, they're trying to figure out the rotations and that does pertain to Taylor because it's like, well, how much running down exposure do we give him? How much passing down exposure do we give him? How do we get him, like, you know, as Carlos Dunlap had a grievance that he wasn't playing enough because, you know, he was, he was uh, you know, taking time off. They wanted him as a pastor specialist. But then he's like, how do I find a rhythm as a as a player, as a rusher? Like, it's really difficult. So, I don't know. They'll they work it out. But also, you know, week one, I was like, against Denver. I was like, well. Nuosu was the guy on the, the right of the defensive line. They were trying to flush Russ to that side. Uh, so, and Nuosu had the kind of true two-way go and the inside moves available to him. And Taylor, on the other hand, was on the left. And yeah, he he had some inconsistent moment, moments setting the edge. Uh, but as a rusher, he was mainly used just to set a deep edge on the left of, to stop Russell going that side. Uh, and so I was like, well, the pass rush plan probably limited Taylor slightly. Uh, along with the fact that he got like some egregious holds down the stretch of that game. But then this game, it's like, oh, well, Taylor's going to have a rush at some point, right? And he didn't. Now, Hurt did also mention the challenges of of the, the game in the sense that they didn't really force San Francisco into enough clear pass rush situations. Yeah. But there were still a few, and Nuosu's still impressed on them. It's just Taylor Taylor didn't. He haven't, you couldn't really tell he was on the field, which for a guy who we were expecting to come in and, 
after his impressive second season in the league, but really kind of his rookie season. We we kind of expected him to this season be that kind of big time premier pass rusher who could have, say, ten sacks, which in his, in the Seahawks system is big, and and be like a, a real reliable pressure guy. We had questions about the depth after him. The positive is Nuosi being good, but maybe Taylor's going through like a a second season slump. They always say like mm. you know that kind of sophomore issues. Maybe that's happening for Taylor. Maybe not. But uh, I have confidence it will come good at some point. But it'd be nice if. It was sooner rather than later. Like, yeah, I mean, there's so much talent, there's so much upside in in, in Taylor that I mean, there's there's no way that that's just like gone for the year, you know? Yeah. So I think we're at the very least going to start to see some flashes, and uh, you know, it's just, I mean, for the game, you know, game plan wise in week one, you know, there there weren't many opportunities for him, and like you mentioned, there was some egregious holding calls on him. Week two, like you mentioned again, they they didn't, you know, they weren't really able to force for, the 49ers into those clear pass rushing situations. And, you know, so there are reasons to be like, all right, well, or there's things that you can point to, like, this is why the production just isn't there right now. Yeah. And of course, there's, you know, some glaring mishaps as well, like, you know, some of the tackling stuff, of course, you know, but. And, and Hurt said, you know, being Mr. Accountable. Uh, yeah. which accountability is a big topic actually we I don't, don't think we'll get into that but I just saw very very Brian Schottenheimer esque yeah yeah uh but her being Mr Accountable said how they need to coach better as long as ta- mm. uh, as well as Taylor playing better so yeah it will be all right it's just if Taylor and Nuosu are popping then watch out yeah uh so then uh, you know Hurt was asked about the uh you know the three and out issues they haven't you know, force the three and out yet this year, but he also did mention that they had penalties on like three of them that would have been three and outs on Sunday. Um, so, you know, hopefully they get that stuff cleaned up because it's not, you know, it's obviously not just the tackling. And this is going to happen though with a young team that with a with a team that in a defense that's playing a lot of young guys that don't have a, a ton of starts under the belt, right? Like that's just that's natural, especially this early on in the season. Yeah. Yeah, when you look at like the, some of those penalties, like what the Mike Jackson pass interference on the underthrown football, which is really yeah. harsh, Ugh. but that's inexperience of he hasn't played much uh, NFL football as a starting cornerback. He's played it perfectly, right? But that's just the experience of the body language of you don't walk out of that uh, incompletion looking like a bit sheepish, like I'm jostling him a lot. You walk out of it like, you know, doing the whole incomplete gesture and and looking like confident as hell, you know, <laughs> and and that will come. And Carol mentioned how that's a massive deal for them. You think about Kobe Bryant's illegal contact penalty on third down. That's the inexperience of, you know, he gets done by Judy in week one where he has his leverage broke. He just really didn't want to have his leverage broke in that instance. And so he's like, oh, I'll just put my hands on him just to give himself a bit of an advantage. And they flag it. Now, the officiating last week was like highly, highly questionable. Uh, Seattle got unlucky. Wait, you know, it happens. Uh, you can blame refs. They also didn't play well enough at all. But the officiating was highly questionable. Carol mentioned how they sent in like a lot of plays. So, yeah. But n- nonetheless, like these reps for all of these non- new guys, like the young guys, they're invaluable because... How how do you learn without making a mistake? You you can't. You yeah. have to make mistakes. Uh, we'll see. We'll see other new Seahawks players and inexperienced players making mistakes. That is, yeah. as you said, part of being a young team. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you haven't done something at this kind of level, you're probably gonna suck. You gotta accept that. You're gonna you're gonna suck at first. You're gonna have some. You're gonna take some L's along the way. Like it's just gonna happen. And as a team, you know, you're you you know from from you know where they currently stand right now and and just kind of rebooting this whole thing um you got to take those lumps you just got to deal with it you got to go through the you know ebbs and flows of a season and now you know with the added extra game now that you have 17 games in a regular season it gives you even more of a buffer to kind of deal with that and still you know remain competitive you know in the in the big picture so um you know i think we're obviously going to see the natural growing pains but eventually you know, I, I think we're also going to see how the 2011 season kind of progressed, where you started to see, you know, 
flashes of, of some really really cool stuff like you know richard sherman and cam chancellor and earl thomas and those guys you know like and obviously i'm not comparing <laughs> i'm obviously not comparing this team to, to that team and, and you know overall but like you know i think you're gonna start to see like these guys start to figure it out you know just the, the more you play the more ball you play and the more experience you get the you know, better you get at least theoretically speaking so you just kind of have to deal with it for now and and i think that they do have you know a, a formula that can work where they can still win and still be competitive as these guys figure it out and you know the the schedule isn't too rough for them to also kind of go through that right now here at the start you know because again you got falcons lions like those are you know decent you know they 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 pose some challenges but you're not going up against the bucks you're not going up against the chiefs right now you're not going up against the chargers you're not going up against the bills so you know i think in general just kind of having this kind of relatively soft landing spot for these guys as well helps yeah Uh, and and carol mentioned like sydney jones is sitting in the third spot but it's clear that like Tariq woolen and uh, mike jackson are clearly ahead of him you know based on merit like they're, mm. they're gonna roll with it so yeah that's cool and i mean woolen's been awesome to watch so far yeah you know, like, might have to be my tape breakdown this week on on my Substack because he has been balling yeah so um is he gonna get the matchup against Drake london Ooh. i don't think they'll well that's an interesting discussion because obviously woolen is like london is a unicorn but then they also have carl pitts so it's kind of like a I don't yeah. and they play him like a wide receiver and so True. I don't know if it's necessarily the right thing to do. What you, what you might see though two? is what you might see is um Woolen kind of on the one-on-one side of the coverage more than Mike Jackson is. Yeah. Who even is like the Falcons number 2 receiver? Like obviously well, they got Pitts and the, well Pitts but like, you know, and or London. That's whatever. a good question because obviously they've got that the weird situation going on and then they've lost um they've lost Julio and they lost um Oh, it's Brian Edwards. Russell Gage. Brian Edwards. Yeah, oh, from then, the Raiders? Yeah, yeah, and then Olamides Zacchaeus. Okay. okay. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Right. So uh, the last thing Hurt said, which I found interesting, was he basically said what we've been saying on this podcast for ages, that like yeah. the 4-3 to 3-4 stuff is very overblown. Um, he used the under front as a way of doing it because I think they played under quite a bit against San Francisco. Uh, like an under front fits like an under front. Like the under front started with like kind of 5-2 personnel. Now now it kind of is natural to go to 3-4, but you can do it with a 4-3 like Pete Coward did for ages. Um, and it like whatever the terminology you like fitting the run out of the out of a certain spacing is fitting the run mm. and so i like how her he doesn't use excuses because it would be really easy especially to like reporters to be like oh yeah no yeah that is very different and difficult and they're not going to call you out on that because they mm. might not necessarily have the confidence like they're not they haven't been coaching for ages but um yeah i like i like how he didn't use that ex- excuse um yeah i, like I love uh, about uh, it uh, I love how you broke it down because also, you know, you're in today's age where people are breaking down all 22 guys like you and and Griff and, you know, just anyone now that you can find on Twitter. A lot of people are breaking down film. So, you know, you're in this age now where like people know what's up. People know what you're doing. People, you know, know what's going on. And that's out in the public. That's out in the general public now. And more people are starting to learn. People are starting to learn about football in a different way. And, uh, you know, I like that he didn't beat around the bush as if that doesn't exist. Right. Because, like, there's still, com- you know, there's still coordinators, still play callers, coaches, et cetera, that do. Right. We see that yeah. a little bit from Shane Waldron, admittedly. Like, you know, like it's just, you know, kind of acting like this just doesn't exist. You know, like, I'm just going to BS you the sole answer. And it's like, come on dude like we know like and plus like people in the seattle media too like they're they're aware of it right you know and like they're 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 at least you know mildly uh conscious of you know what the seahawks do how the seahawks operate so that's not that's not gonna fly with those guys and like on that subject right like i don't know how many coaches realize it but like there's a lot of defensive and offensive nfl playbooks available yeah for free on the internet if you know the right people uh, allegedly, um, if you know a guy or, or girl, be careful, Maddie. Um, or person. Uh, yeah. So, 
yeah, I don't want to incriminate myself here, uh, but uh, that may or may not be true. And and so, like, you know, along with all 22, along with people just learning, like, I've managed to learn football from the UK after, you know, learning it in 2012, like, that it was a sport. So it's possible, like, <laughs> like so it is more fun to just be open. And also, like, if I can do that, then teams can eat, like, Kyle Shanahan, obviously, it, like, knows all of this stuff like he knows how their scheme works he knows how it operates so all the kind of secretive like stuff is just absolute nonsense and and yeah. so like even like jordan brooks when he's more open in press conferences like he's telling you what they call their front they used to call it stick their bare front now they call it tight i told mm-hmm. you that in 2020 but um jordan brooks actually being open about it in press conferences is, is very cool as well so yeah so injuries ty yeah so the, the not uh, fun part yeah, today was actually kind of a concerning day on that front. Oh my um, word! Yeah, what the what on earth's going on? Yeah, Cody Barton's got a shoulder and a hip thing that he did not practice today, and we've talked about the lack of depth, the linebackers. So that's uh, really concerning. That's really scary. Uh, don't like that, not one bit. Shelby Harris was uh, also absent today, but he had a personal thing. He's also dealing with the uh, the glute injury, um, yeah. but. Um, yeah, we'll see if he's able to get back here uh, in the next day or two. I uh, hope everything's all right with him uh, personally, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, Quandry Diggs also did not practice with a <laughs> knee issue. So, uh, yeah. Also, Joey Blunt is hurt. So, it's not like there's a, really a clear replacement there either. Yay! <laughs> so, yeah, we're uh, uh, hopefully these guys, uh, this is just precautionary, not practicing today. Let's just, let's just hope and, and cope uh, here. You're forgetting someone as well. Who? Nickel cornerback Justin Coleman did not practice today with a calf thing. Yeah, it's still the calf thing. Yeah. And Carol said last week how like, you know, we'll see like about this game. So and 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 you know, if if Coleman can't go, Kobe Bryant, that's right. But um yeah, just another kind of injury. And the other sad the really sad thing was um hearing Pete talk about Trey Brown. And mm. the the language around that was really concerning to me. Yeah, he said he's still working, trying to get right. Which, I mean, and Pete talks that's not injury. Yeah. Like, well, just any talk that doesn't yeah. sound. It actually reminded me of when Pete spoke about um, Ben Burkirvin and his mm. process to try and rehab. Like at a certain point, if you've lost your agility, you've lost your your quick burst. And Trey Brown, like we all know. When he was healthy, unbelievable quick, uh, short area quickness and, and ability to get out of his breaks. Like, I mean, that just sucks. That uh, actually sucks. And, you know, hopefully he's doing okay. I know that must be really tough on him. But, um, yeah. yeah, hopefully he can get back. But it just did not sound good at all. Doesn't sound like we'll see him this season. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, that really sucks because, um, God, those few weeks that he started were really, really promising. That that tandem with him and DJ Reed. I mean, that was like the best cornerback play we've seen since Cello B era, like in Seattle. Like that was they were legit good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. they were awesome. Um, um so Cody Barton. Yeah. That would be Nick Belor, and then I guess Tanamuse is Tanamuse now on the active roster? I think he's still P Squad. Okay. Um, but Tanner uses the backup, and then ooh, the depth is bad there. Like it's 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 so bad that like if Barton was out for a few weeks, you'd want to kind of maybe do a trade. But then are they actually in a position where you know they're not really in a position to go and do a trade, or maybe they are? I don't know. I mean, you could trade like a a sixth or something for a a guy a warm body at least. Like I don't know. Like that'd be helpful. They signed um. Cheese, didn't they? Cheese. Uh, I can't remember his actual uh, his name. Cheese. Clint Hurt called him Cheese. He yeah, yeah, great yeah. Guy yeah. From cheese. Damn, what's from name? Chicago. Uh, he was with him in Chicago, but I think he was last with Arizona. Okay. This is bad. Uh, really this is bad. really bad. We bad should, prep. We I'm sorry. Know. We're talking about we uh, this. A, a fifth string linebacker here. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's generally like, speaking, give us a right. break here, folks. Give us a yeah, break here, give folks. Us, give us a break. Like we're doing great. Um, 
I'm oh, wait, 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 wait. Tanner Mews is now on the active roster. Yeah, that makes sense because he'd already he'd have been called up two times already, and their linebacker depth was a bit questionable. So you may as well. Christian yeah. Jones. There we go. Jeez. Christian Jones. Christian Cheesy Jones. Yeah. They've also got Vi Jones, but he transitions to more of an edge role on the practice squad. Uh, and then Donka as well is more of an edge. So it is going to be Christian Jones as the emergency emergency. God, um, the depth there sucks. <laughs> yeah, so that's tough. As a, as a so guy bad. who loves linebackers, that's not good. Um, <laughs> we've got some questions, Ty. All right. Let's hop into some questions. <clears throat> what do you guys want to know? You want to throw I, one up there, uh, I, I, Maddie? Yeah, let, let me click this. Hold on. Bang. Wow, look at that. Whoa. Look at that. Consumer minus 114. Mm. You guys worried about Waldron? The sample size is getting bigger with less results um i don't uh, see i'm still like conflicted on how i feel about the offense as a whole and i don't really know what the issue is so do you feel a little bit differently maddie yeah well well i literally was saying this i don't know if you had the chance consumer to uh to catch our post-game reaction Mm. but i was saying like I, I, maybe I didn't say it then, but like I kind of, it, it's, it seems so easy to go after coordinators, right? And I'm a big fan. We did talk my, about this now. Yeah. One of my biases is kind of one of my cognitive biases that I recognize as as a coach and as someone who tries to give people the benefit of the doubt. I always think, well, there's got to be something more at play here than just it being as simple as blaming the coordinator, right? Mm-hmm. But. <laughs> That nicely prefaced, prefaced, prefaced. Mm. Um, but what happened when all these slow starts and and like uh, disjointed elements and like lack of explosives on the offense? They all started kind of when, well, the lack of explosives was the end of the let Russ cook era. But the really like disjointed lack of number of plays stuff. That all seemed to start when Waldron came, and and it might just be an issue with like with him, like because what's mm. the we've changed, we've had a seen a change at quarterback, right? We've seen yeah. a new defensive scheme come in, and now the defense needs to be better at forcing three and outs, no doubt. Like, but like it could just be a Waldron thing. That being said, now like we're hearing all this like let let Gino go and do some stuff, uh, like that suggests you know they were really like, um, not like. Well, yeah, they were really curtailing the passing game. And, like, if you're not going to run run your deep concepts and your explosive and your shot plays, which we didn't see much shot plays dialed up, like, well, mm. then that really, as we I said at the start of this episode, that really does mean that teams will camp on the intermediate to short and, and they can play the run more freely. So there's no, like, you need the deep stuff as a necessary constraint. It doesn't matter who your quarterback is. And... Gino can throw deep better than a lot of guys give him credit for. Like, he's not like, um, I feel like people act as though he's almost um, like ineffective throwing deep. And I, I used to think so, but he's not. He he can he can hit the right passes when required. Think about mm. how accurate he was in that Jags game against a lot of man coverage looks where yeah. the shot was on. He was accurate really deep. Think about that glorious far hash throw in the preseason against the Bears where he's, he's like nailing it deep to... Um, was it Penny Hart in the honey hole of cover two? But it was like absolutely beautiful. So, you know, he can throw uh, deep, but also like deep doesn't have to be like 50 yards deep. Deep can right. be like 20 plus yards, you know? Yeah. And it doesn't always have to be like a go ball, you know? It, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I'm interested to see kind of how they, how they work that in uh, starting this week. Uh, hopefully, you know, they follow through on their word and we actually see some of that stuff. Um uh, but yeah, you know, like I said, you know, after our, our or on our post game show when we were kind of talking about the coordinator situation, it's like when it comes to Waldron, it's like eventually the finger has to be pointed at him some, and you know, some of these issues are are recurring no matter who right. the personnel is offensively. So it's like there's a common denominator here, and it's Shane Waldron. So you know, so. I, I just I kind of want to see how this how this unit meshes together though before making my 
you know, kind of come into my final assumption here when it when it comes to to Shane Waldron. But you know, because again, like right now, especially with the injuries to Damian Lewis, you've basically been operating with four new offensive linemen, uh, including your center, including both of your tackles. Like that's a lot. Plus, you got a new quarterback. Uh, you're running a lot of new stuff uh, in general. Uh, so. Yeah, I, it's just, you know, there's going to, it's going to take time. You know, it's kind of like what we were talking about with the defense. You kind of just got to, you know, take your lumps here, um, especially because you have so many young guys that are trying to keep the ship afloat right now. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, I, like, I, I think we just need more time uh, before we uh, kind of really get deep into the whole Waldron conversation. Yeah. I mean, if this issue, because they haven't had like bad quarterback play. Like if this issue mm-hmm. persists or like comes up again, now that they've said they're going to really open up and expand the passing game, like it's like you said, it's recurring. So you know, yeah. what's the common theme? Here? Who's the common denom- denominator here? Anyway, we will have a tape podcast out. You said it again tomorrow. I said I wouldn't say it tomorrow say it again but i did that it's tomorrow and um we appreciate you listening to this news roundup i think we found we're finding a flow with this just me and ty going obviously we miss griff but uh we're we're making this work and griff will be back tomorrow and Mm -hmm. we uh appreciate you please do subscribe to the podcast share it with your friends uh review it follow tying dane gonzalez follow me you can it's at matty f brown it's at dane gonzalez no vows which is uh you know if you're if you're an og or you remember that vows are a controversial topic amongst us Mm, mm. Mm. including including z including z yes and if you're if you're on twitter as well follow the podcast at seattle overload where we tweet out where we go live we're gonna have a regular schedule basically it's just post game right then it's 2.30 2.30 my time in the morning. Wow. 6.30 mm. Pacific time on a Wednesday night going live. And 9.30, is that Eastern? Yes, that yes. is Eastern. And then exactly the same time, but on Thursday. Thursday night football this week's rubbish. So you've, you've got to join us live. But if not... What is the matchup? Us, uh, Pittsburgh Browns. Is that correct? Ugh. Have they already played? That's That could be so wrong. Like... I don't even know. No, I think it actually, yeah. No, I think you're right. I think you're right about that. Yeah. Yeah. Or Steelers Browns, as as would be conventional. Pittsburgh Cleveland. Anyway, thank you, everyone. (laughs) Pittsburgh Browns. I just, yeah. Matty F. Brown. Uh, Mm. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Uh, We appreciate you and have a great rest of your evening or day if you're listening to us. Mm hmm.